Ani everybody. Ndishna Kaz, Misko Pakinikwe. Mika Nakando Dem, Spimming and Donjiba. Hey everybody. Red Pipe Woman is my Ojibwe name, and Leora Chatterson is my English name. My family is of the Turtle Clan, and I live here in Ishpeming, Michigan. I'm one of your hosts for season two of Broken Lands, a podcast about truth-telling, racial reconciliation, and the examination of diverse contemporary activism. Broken Lands is produced by Together Here Ministries of the Northeastern Minnesota Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, in association with Walks Back Collective. And I'm your other co-host, Matthew Cobb. We offer these conversations as a free resource. So if you'd like to support us by becoming a Patreon member, please visit us at brokenlands.org. Also, follow us on the Broken Lands Facebook page or on our Instagram or Twitter accounts at brokenlandspod. Now part two of our conversation with Chase Iron Eyes. Broken Lands would like to acknowledge that Chase Iron Eyes has taken an historical point of view with regard to the context of how the Department of War converted U.S. refugee camps or settlements into reservations under the Department of the Interior. He makes a case for an American apartheid that is historically accurate and compelling, and yet we acknowledge it is bereft with controversy. I'd like to offer some space for our boarding school survivors real quick. Mm. Do you know if there's been any legal action against churches from boarding school survivors um, in the in the Dakotas? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what I do know. I don't have a comprehensive lay of the land about uh, people who've been horrifically abused by churches. I mean, nationwide, but in South Dakota here, there is a man, an elderly man who is still here with us named Izzy Zephyr. Izzy Zephyr, you know, it took a lot for him to come forward and say that he was abused by whatever the name of this church is in South Dakota. I don't even remember the name of it, but a lot of schools were here in South Dakota, as in every state, and Izzy Zephyr was abused he suffered horrific damage and he sued this church when izzy sued the church the state of south dakota the the republican dominated legislature i mean it's like 90 to 10 percent out here maybe 85 to 15 it's absolutely ridiculous <clears throat> and i don't mean to impugn republicans i'm just saying that that's how it that's how it was here this is the legislature that passed a law that forbid Izzy from seeking relief. They passed a law saying that if more than 40 years had passed since the time of alleged abuse, that those people had no, uh, no redress, no recovery afforded to them. They were just without re redress. And so Izzy Zephyr, you know, this Republican legislature passed this law and I don't remember what year, it's probably 10 years, 15 years ago now, they passed this law and the governor of the state, a guy named Mike Rounds, who is now Senator Mike Rounds from the state of South Dakota, 
sign this bill into law preventing all of these native people from suing the churches and from achieving any kind of redress or reparations or closure and healing or you know you you can't even call it closure you can't even call it healing but somebody is held responsible at least but the governor of this state mike rounds who is now senator mike rounds denied that to all of these people izzy is a representative of a class of hundreds perhaps thousands of native people who were horrifically and unspeakably victimized by people of the cloth, by, by people of, of God, people who were there presumably to help. And, and we know that whole story. We know, that, we know where we're at today. Uh, and we know that it's very real. So I will say that about, about South Dakota and about boarding schools. I mean, Rapid City um, is currently in the process of creating public memorial spaces um, for for people to pay homage, uh, for people to to grieve and to to um, navigate, and and it, it's almost not a healing, but it's a, at least it's a it's a scarring over of of an open wound that that is that is with us to this day. But in South Dakota, that law still stands and people in Izzy Zephyr's position continue to be denied relief. In regards to reparations, what elements do you believe belong in the infrastructure of reparations from religious organizations? Um, well, first, let me let me say that Pope Francis, you know, uh, appears to be what I always call him the wokest pope. But he's he's responsible for at least one. I'm not well versed in everything that's coming out of the, the Vatican, but Laudato Si is an encyclical that, in my view, is 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 pushing the Christian faith into a different place, a, a place that indigenous peoples, indigenous knowledge systems have have cultivated and have expressed for untold millennia. And what has been done in Jesus's name, in Christ conscious's name, in, in God's name, might not ever be reparable it, it is irreparable harm. But in the spirit of conciliation and reconciliation, there can be a shared value, uh, a shared investment in revitalizing indigenous languages. Indigenous languages are a, a blueprint and umbilical cord to our original source knowledge systems, our our, our inspirations um, that would that that inform how we interpret, perceive, and create reality. Right now, we're not 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 two hundred years ago in the Buffalo days and so forth. I'm talking right this instant. We need resources to invest 
in creating spaces, environments, academies, and we don't have to like standardize everything, but we need to adapt it to the digital reality that is overcoming us very quickly. And so investments in language and not in knowledge systems. When I say knowledge system, I just mean the whole worldview, the whole, all of the, what is called uh, cultural mythology in, in different fields like anthropology and, and, you know, conscious anthropologists and other academics don't use the word mythology pejoratively. But when we hear that, we think of like fairy tales or folklore or whatever. And, and of course, you know, it was Joseph Campbell who said, everybody's, every, every other, uh, what does he say? Uh, everybody else's religion, mythologies are their religions or something like that. He said, that meaning that each population, each demographic, each culture views itself to be the standard. Like, because I'm Lakota, I'm the highest, you know, and everyone else is something else, something different. Or because I'm, you know, Dene or Navajo, I'm the highest, I'm the original. And every culture says this about itself. And that's okay. It's good for people to feel dignified about themselves. It's good, especially in considering the colonial history. It's good for us to feel good about ourselves. I'm not saying that. I'm, what I'm saying is like, some of us have to graduate from that and not, not to leave it behind, but to connect with other members of the human family who are also maybe existentially challenged right now. You know, COVID, the climate crisis, there's things happening right now that are threatening and disrupting how life is taking place. I can see it in my children. I can see it as clear as day. It's palpable. The sense of urgency and the intention to, to know God, to know the source of creation, and to, to live in a way that lifts that up and, and holds it in an upright position. At the same time, we're contending with all of this, this corporate extractive linear um, sort, you know, source of separation is what has happened to the English thinking world or the Western civilization. It's been, it's been separated from, from what we know as, you know, a, a sacred relationship, a sacred covenant and, and uh, divine flesh and blood, the whole, the whole bit. But we, we need the church's help. And we, we, we can help the church evolve, in my opinion. And I don't mean to be um, <laughs> like haughty or whatever. Like, I, I really, we need to be getting the best of both worlds. Like Sitting Bull said, if something is good from that world in the white man's road to him, it was the white man. If something's good, pick it up. If it's bad, leave it there. So like I send my, we send our daughter to the Red Cloud Jesuit, the Red Cloud Indian School founded by the Jesuits. And in my view, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a divinity academy, even though it's not always been, a, been like that. Now, because it's Lakota control, they're, they're trying to incorporate or at least respect the Lakota worldview, the Lakota practices. Mass was still mandatory at, at a, up until you know three, four years ago. That has changed. There's also a sweat lodge behind that school. In the town where I grew up, there's a sweat lodge behind the church because the father sun dances. Like there's crazy alchemies happening, right? And, and 
the church should be involved in that. It shouldn't, we should, none of us should stick dogmatically to anything and try to forcefully propagate that. Um, but we should be investing in language revitalization and knowledge system is also, also the churches own a lot of land. They don't, there should be a discussion. There should be, there should be an exploration committee amongst the, the face of this world to decide how we create a, a, a different reality because the church also failed to evolve in the enlightenment period. And, and after that, I mean, that we fell, the church fell victim to certain corruptions, you know, like in Martin Luther's time. And we didn't, we, I, I'm, the church didn't evolve in that respect and say, Hey, let's evolve the way we think so we can make space, make room for these people who, who are finding these other truths in science or in other sources of knowledge or in whatever epistemology they're involved in. Um, we have to make room for people and allow people to explore the depths of, of their intuition and their own connection to, you know, the powers of creation, how we want to view that and, and, and work together and make room for each other. That's where, that's where I think the church could be extremely helpful. There are concrete things like land back the churches could give a chunk of land back. They don't have to give all of it back. But on some of these churches, there's probably $4 million worth of infrastructure of nice quonsets. Like those are like basically athletic centers. I don't know what they use them for, but they should be working with either the tribal government or other NGOs on, a, on an equal footing basis. Not, hey, we're going to work with you if you come and, you know, pledge allegiance to our thing that we got going here. Let, no, we can't do that. Let's let's come together. I want to learn from this knowledge system, this quote unquote faith. I put it in quotation because it's not really a yes, there's such a thing as a belief, but it's a knowledge system. Here across the United States, tribal communities are moving forward with land back initiatives through various methods and through various partners. If we could for a second uh tied that to the events happening in Gaza. Could you offer some perspective from an indigenous leadership role who is invested in the land back movement? Yes. I see a lot of uh, uh, differing opinions about what land back is. I see people saying like land back is not fee land back or, or buying land back. Land back is not... Um, submitting to the jurisdiction of the United States and putting it in trust. And I, I, again, it's like with the elders, you know, I respect that opinion, but whatever we have to do, however, I want power in all spheres of, of our lives, whether that's economic power, political power, legal power, spiritual power, we are capable of that. And and, and I, if we have to buy land back, then let's buy the land back and let's do, let's help the land heal. You take a look at, you know, multinational agricultural practices of the corporate extractive world. And I know that's just, a, that's a lot, but it is killing the planet. It's not the cows, that cows are evil, but the what, how human beings force the cows and, and clear cut, you know, rainforests and so forth to to cultivate more cows is killing the planet. The pesticides we're putting on the plants are killing the planet. This, the land is supposed to look 
so much better. So I will just say that I support land back in any form, even if it's just a spiritual recognition of land back in our lives. I see a lot of people making pilgrimage again to our sacred sites, maybe all over this country, but specifically here where I live, more people are going to Bear Butte. More people are going to what we call a welcoming back the thunder ceremony in, in March at spring equinox. They climb up to this place. It's a sacred site called uh, the Lakota name is Hiha Kara Paha, but it was also called Harney Peak, but it's been renamed to Black Elk Peak. It's the highest point in the Black Hills. I see people reconnecting and putting land back in their lives. And it was Fool's Crow, the, 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 our great chief, who said, if the world would just put land back in indigenous hands, the world can begin to heal. He said this 40 years ago. And, you know, I, I don't know if he was thinking of the corporate extractive world and how literally indigenous nations would manage land in, in a much different way than what is happening today. And we could begin to heal the planet. Now there's very real things in land back that we can do to heal the planet. There, are, There is also in our ceremonies, in our cosmology, the Buffalo return every year because we offer ourselves in sacrifice. You know, we recognize that not only the Buffalo, but the entire ecosystems which sustain a keystone species like the Buffalo regenerates itself because we give our blood in the Sundance in the same way that Ia, the primordial first god, so to speak, the first, the foremost deity at a time way back when it was just darkness in the universe or, you know, was composing the universe. In the universe is not the way to say it, but Ia gave of its blood and, and caused this massive explosion, the, the Big Bang. And Ia's blood is blue, and it became the waters that are on our planet here, but not just this planet, all over the universe. Makasitomnia, all over the universe, there's water. Science is just now finding out water is older than the sun. When I read that headline, I was like, well, that's pretty obvious to, to us. Like, this is in our most basic creation knowledge that we tell our children, that the, the sun didn't come until after water. And science has substantiated that. So... In all of the things that they call cultural mythology, there are truths in there. And how did we arrive at that knowledge? I don't know. A high spiritual vibration. You know, we were understanding the word of God in a different, a different capacity. One that is still available to us, I'll add. But um, land back in, in what is Palestine, Israel, that's a complicated thing because... What is happening to Palestine over the last, you know, 100 years or so is exactly what happened to Native people. You have a colonial military power continuing to encroach upon lands that were formerly theirs, which currently still legally are theirs. And, and But I don't think they signed any treaties with the, the state of Israel. The state of Israel is... Like, my mom is four years older than the state of Israel. Like, it's not very old. And, and but I, I also caught some of the blowback because when you come out and you talk about 
we should be not be killing children in Palestine, you know, almost 10,000 children dead. And, I, and nobody can ignore it now. For some reason, it is hitting the fan right now. But what I get from um, maybe Zionist apologists, the people who are who want to um, who want to de defend what the state of Israel is doing, will say things to me like, "Well, the Palestinians are not in, only indigenous. We're also indigenous to that area. We have a birthright that goes back three thousand years, which may be true." But that doesn't give anyone the right to instigate a, and commit a genocide on a people to violate international law, engage in collective punishment, and institute apartheid on a people. The United States is engaged in the same behavior in a different way on us, on me right now, on my tribe, on all of our tribal nations. But we don't see it like that. You know, some people. They don't, they don't, you don't feel the chains around you. There's velvet covering on these chains here and, and you have to move and, and you gotta, and, and you, and you feel it. You feel the chains though, when you step up to confront corporate extraction, when they come to, to, to encroach on your territory, that's what's happening in Palestine, Israel is what happened on October 7th. The killing of unarmed combatants is always condemnable, but that didn't, happened in the vacuum it just wasn't out of the blue it's because israel is is maintaining a genocidal policy and an ethnic cleansing and an apartheid against the palestinians who also have a right to be there i mean i i went there in 2018 and it just made me sick to my stomach i, I could not shake uh, to this day i cannot shake what I went through there, the, the, the feeling of what is going on there, it made me think this is what happened that when we were first put on reservations. Our food was controlled, our water was controlled, our access to any kind of technology was controlled, um, and our movements were controlled. We were not allowed to leave. When you go over there, I must have went through 10 different military checkpoints to get anywhere. And and you you witness um, this this level of of apartheid, and it's more than apartheid though. It's also a, a, an attempted. They're not trying to assimilate, like in this country, you know, because of the church and because of the friends of the Indian organizations in East Coast, the policy went from genocide to assimilation. You know, kill the Indian, save the man, kind of a, a thing. Over there, it's not that. It's just we're they're trying to take over Gaza, in my opinion, right now. And so we have to try to, you know, it's very when you pick a side, you're going to alienate a bunch of people on the other side all the time. And it might not be possible to rise above the sides here because one side is being horrifically killed. And the other side is able to present itself and convince people that it is the victim when it is a nuclear power and there are people with sticks and stones and yet in rockets and small arms or whatever they're using to defend themselves. And they have a right to defend themselves. Um, but I believe that a, a, a reckoning is happening. I believe that Israel is no longer going to be able to get away with what it's doing. 
right or wrong, you know, who doesn't matter who you piss off or, I mean, I suffered professional setbacks because of my calling of is Israel's treatment of Palestinians apartheid. I remember working on some pretty serious projects and, and once I made that statement on my social media, I mean, it was just an Instagram post. It was just a, a picture of, of a, of a statement saying what Israel is doing to Palestine will one day be viewed in the same lens as a transatlantic slave trade. And, and, the, and then, then in my post, I, I, I said, this it's apartheid immediately projects I was working on, uh, Guys called me and said, hey, we're getting a lot of uh, <clears throat> messages about your recent comment about Israeli apartheid. Might want to rethink that. Maybe have a session with us where we can educate you on what, what is really going on over there. You know, that kind of language. And then another person, uh, I was the spokesperson for the Freedom for Leonard Peltier. And this person owned an art gallery and threatened to pull Leonard Peltier's event unless I retracted that statement. So I had to give up my uh, my status as a spokesperson because what, what good is it going to do me to retract that statement? You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you're not currently designing this money isn't flowing to me in any conceivable way right now. Like, well, I don't have, why would I retract my statement? You know what I mean? And if I was malleable and I'm not saying I'm a purist, I'm just saying that what is going on in Israel, Palestine, Gaza needs to be called out for what it is. And we should not be allowing the United States to fund that genocide and sell the munitions with money that we're giving them. They're, they're, Israel is surviving on United States corporate welfare. We're giving to the tune of $32 billion, a guaranteed $4 billion a year, another 80-some billion dollar aid package on the table. We give to Israel and 99% of that money is used to buy the munitions, to buy the bombs, the munitions, the missiles the fighter jets, everything that the Israeli military has to kill children. Like that's not an effective use of our tax dollars. So we have to do what we can in our country to call that out and not be afraid to say that you want a ceasefire or that you want unarmed combatants not to be killed, not to be carpet bombed. Like, I, I don't know why, I understand why, because the Israeli lobby, APAC, um, has made it illegal in like 35 states to support boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Same thing after DAPL. The corporate extractive industry made it illegal in 33 states to protest or exercise your constitutional rights near critical energy infrastructure, i.e. pipelines and transfer stations and pump stations. So that's what's happening. You have these powerful, powerful lobbies that are criminalizing dissent and we're inching closer and closer to corporate fascism and faith-based communities have to wake up and we have to fight and defend our constitutional rights, our birth rights, our natural rights, our, and by extension, indigenous treaty rights. So um, we, need, we, need that, we need that to stop over there. Israel has got to be stopped. We, yes, nobody wants Hamas to be able to kill in, unarmed combatants either. Nobody wants that. That needs to be stopped as well. But what is happening is just a, a money-making scheme from from the war from the war machine. So, uh, but that that may be my uh, concluding statement there. Miigwech, Wopila, thank you for joining us. You can visit us at brokenlands.org to find out how you can become a supporting member of this podcast. Also, follow us on our Facebook page or on Instagram and Twitter at 
Broken Lands Pod.